Hello, and welcome to the First Prez Mommy podcast, the show for people on the go who like to stay in tune with the conversations at our church. Today, Pastor Jason Armstrong speaks about Colossians 3, 12-14. The Apostle Paul lists four virtues we are to put on as holy and beloved people of God, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. When we love each other the way Christ loves us, we will be bound together in perfect unity as the church. So uh, this morning, obviously we're continuing on in our, our study in Colossians. And this morning I wanted to start by admitting something to you all. And that is that I hate shopping for clothes. <laughs> I hate it. I don't like going to the store. You know, you go to the store, I swear I can never find what I'm looking for. The floors seem like they're incredibly hard. So your back and knees hurt right away. And I thought, you know, one of the things I was trying to do for the summer is to uh, get a white shirt, what short, short sleeve white shirt that I could wear in situations like this. This happens to be the shirt. But I thought it'd be easy to find this shirt. But the answer to that is no, it is not easy to find a white <laughs> short sleeve dress shirt, which is confirmed by many folks in the first service. So we go to the first store, my wife and I, and we look for this shirt that is, apparently doesn't exist. And then I hear the words that I dread the most. In my wife's wisdom, she says, let's go to another store. <laughs> but she was wise because when we went to the second store, we indeed found this shirt that I was looking for. But I have to admit, when I put on new clothes, you, know, you feel pretty good. When you put new clothes on, they're clean and they're, they're sharp, they feel nice, they fit well. And you look in the mirror and you kind of feel like a new person, like you feel a little better than you did before. Maybe you could take on, even go out into the world and take on the day in a different way than you normally do. But there is an interesting moment that happens with new clothes, at least for me. You go to the, the, the clothes, the shirt hanging in your closet, on the hanger for the first time, you pull it out to put it on, and then you realize and see all the old clothes that you have in your closet. The ones you haven't worn, the ones you most likely will never wear again, the ones that you should never wear again. <laughs> Maybe they're too, clo- they're too small, they're out of style, whatever the case may be, but the truth is they are of no benefit to you. So you're sitting there looking at these clothes and you know you should get rid of the old clothes to make room for new ones. But the question that comes up is, well, what harm does it cause if I leave these old clothes in my closet? So last Sunday we learned in Colossians 3, 1 through 11, that as faithful in Christ, we are to put the death, the earthly in us. Get rid of the old self, get rid of the old clothes and put on the new clothes of Christ. We should never wear those clothes again, describes in, in, those, in Colossians as these clothes that promote evil practices and doing wicked things. But put on those new clothes of Christ. And as we continue in our text this morning, in Colossians 3, 12 through 14, we'll find Paul giving us direction and encouragement this morning. What our response should be as the body of Christ in our interaction with one another as we do indeed live into having these new clothes on 
and getting rid of the old. So Paul starts in verse 12 by, right, he writes to the faithful in Colossae that they are God's chosen ones which refers to the reality that they are the ones who have freely responded to the gift of faith that God has placed in them. A few weeks ago when we were in chapter 2, you may remember I used the term divine persuasion for this act of God putting faith in somebody, and then we have the responsibility to respond. So God acts, God initiates, and we respond by submitting to the Lord's grace and the Lord's authority. And because they have responded to this God's divine persuasion, now they are set apart and described as holy, a people set apart for God and by God. They are different from the world. And indeed, they are beloved, it says in, chapter, in verse 12. They have been loved by God in his saving grace through Christ, and they will always continue to be loved by God all through eternity as God's adopted sons and daughters, his legal sons and daughters. And to those who are holy and beloved, they are to put on the qualities that Paul mentions, the virtues of God as believers. We are the believers, the the people who make up the body of Christ, the church. Paul mentions uh, what what we should put away back in verse 8. We have something to compare to today. So in, in verse 8, if you go back to that, you may remember from last week, these old earthly clothes that we're to get rid of. Their anger and wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk. Those are of the world. Those are of the earth. We're to get rid of those. Because they serve to tear down. They harm They divide, they destroy relationships, they can destroy a body of Christ, they can destroy a church. Now this church is over 200 years old, some of you may have been in seasons where these types of things took hold and there was some trouble in the church. Maybe you've been in a church situation at some other time where a church divided because of this type of thing. But rather as holy people beloved by God, The faithful of the church, we take on the virtues, the virtues that build up, that heal, that unite, that reconcile, virtues which cause the church to be healthy and holy, indeed set apart, a witness to the world of who Christ is and our love for one another. And we do this with compassionate hearts, hearts that have deep feelings. You know, when we come together on a Sunday morning, Clint had mentioned saying to people, how are you doing? Sometimes we say we're doing fine when we're not. But I think in this place we know we can say we're not doing fine because people here care. It's not about just being nice. It's about compassionate hearts. We can minister to one another through difficulty and misfortune. And we are to put on the the four virtues that Paul writes about today. Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Now this list may remind you of another list that Paul writes about. This is in the book of Galatians chapter 5 where Paul writes about the fruits of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. 
And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh, gotten rid of their old clothes with its passions and desires. The fruit of the Spirit, the product that the Holy Spirit produces in you when you hold on to the Christ as the head of the church. And the four virtues I wanted to just describe briefly for you this morning that he mentions in our text. So kindness. It's useful kindness is what I wrote down here. It refers to meeting real needs. It's spirit-produced kindness which meets the needs of others and avoids harshness. It's not just being nice. It's useful kindness. Referring to people's real needs, meeting real needs. Humility. Right, having a humble opinion of oneself. An insight our virtue produced by comparing ourselves to the Lord rather than to others. Right? It's bringing us into alignment with how Christ wants us to be. We get rid of the old ways. We're not worried about pride and self-exalting and self-determining and, and building each other or building ourselves up. But instead we're humble, like the Lord was and is. Meekness. This is a gentle strength or gentle force. There is strength there, but it's, you know the Lord directs you how to use it gently and in the right way. It's a power with reserve. Power to be used in the right way for God's glory. And patience. Steadfastness and staying power. And F.F. Bruce, who was a, a church historian, a Bible historian, he used a, a, came up with a great term that I thought described this well. You know, in English, we have this term, short-tempered, when we describe someone without patience. Well, he said, why don't we have the, why don't we have the, the term long-tempered for someone who's using divine patience? So long-tempered is the patience that we're talking about, which is a quality of God. And of course, these virtues are also displayed and embodied perfectly in Jesus Christ. Jesus embodied kindness, kindness with a purpose, kindness with a meaning. He healed the sick. He fed the hungry. He cared for the widow. He defended children. Jesus embodied humility. Certainly, he left heaven to come to earth. He, he served and cared for others. He humbled himself all the way to the cross, it says in Philippians. Jesus embodied meekness. In John, he, Jesus proclaims, no one takes my life from me. I give it. He had the power and ability to release 12,000 angels in the Garden of Gethsemane if he desired to save himself. But instead he refrained so he could atone and redeem humanity. And Jesus embodied patience. We can we know stories again and again of, of Jesus being patient with his, his disciples and the twelve because of their lack of and their slowness to recognize and understand the divine mission. They didn't get that till later on. He remained patient through the sufferings of trials, his trial, and his crucifixion. But where with these virtues in mind, we enter into verse 13. Paul calls on the faithful to make up the church to bear with one another. Which means to have patience with one another, to, to bear and endure others' opinions and actions. And this would especially be true of the church in Colossae 
uh, Pastor Clint mentioned this some last week. Obviously, this church is made of people of different nationalities and backgrounds. If we go back to verse 11, Paul wrote, Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on the clothes of Christ to bring unity and love and care for one another, even though there are differences. And if we have a problem where we find blame or have a complaint against another person in the church, another brother or sister, we are to forgive each other, to extend grace and mercy, and freely show favor. And there's a, a big point in that, in that verse there, verse 13. Paul is writing about this idea of mutual forgiveness. Two people who desire to be in relationship with one another. They forgive each other. So this forgiveness is not the overlooking of or absorbing hurt that comes, comes from weak sense, sense of our own selves. This comes from knowing who we are. That we are Christ's. That we have that ability and that, that standing to be together in unity and reconcile with one another. And of course, we know of reconciliation. Christ has given us the ministry of reconciliation. It states in our text as the body of Christ. We do that through forgiveness. So Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 18. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone. Gotten rid of the old clothes putting on the new clothes of virtue. The new is here. And all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, the body of Christ, each believer, the ministry of reconciliation. So as I was thinking about these verses this week and these idea of virtues and mutually forgiving one another and reconciliation, I wanted to just have you think a second if you can think of a time where you were in the church and you had some difference with someone, but you came together in that way with humbleness and meekness and patience and discussed your issues and actually ended up in a better relationship than when you started. Strengthened. So I, I considered that question too my, this week uh, when I was in my office looking at the text. And I do remember from a while back now a moment that impacted me when a person displayed virtues which caused me to grow and also caused our relationship to grow. So I was originally hired at the church about 15 years ago and part of my duties was to manage building maintenance, which means I was on the administration committee at church. That's a body that oversees and maintains the church grounds in the building. But I'm gonna pick on my friend Bob Boyles here for a second, so I hope you're ready. <laughs> so, during one of our meetings in those years, there was a job given to, assignment given to Bob and I. We were both on that committee. And the first uh, service, I said I could not remember what our assignment was exactly, but now I do, actually. It was about signage in the church. I don't know if you remember that, Bob. Signage in the church, I think is what it was. So we were supposed to check that out, make some signs and things like that. So in my exuberance to get things done, um, I decided to go ahead and do the work uh, during the week. Uh, if you don't know Bob, Bob's a longtime church member. I looked it up, Bob. You've been a member since 1974. 
Can you believe that? <laughs> and he was a football coach. I mean, if you know, I'm a teacher, a football coach, and I should have known uh, in my, I should have known that if we're going, doing work together, the one thing that Bob Boyles is going to do is get the job done. But I moved forward without him. And then when we came to a, the next administration meeting, when that topic came up that we were working on the signage, I said, oh, well, that project's already done. And I do remember Bob giving me a peculiar coaching look uh, from across the table. And uh, the next day he gave me a call. And he said, Jason, I'd like to come in and talk to you about that, you know, what we were supposed to do. I said, okay. So he came in. And Bob, if you know Bob, he, he came in with all the virtues we're talking about. He was gentle. He was meek. He was humble. And of course, he was also direct. And he, uh, we had a great conversation. And he told me that, you know, when we're working, to, we figured out a better way to work together. He told me the error of my ways, which I totally take uh, responsibility for. But there's a, there's a piece in that that's really important that relates to this today. And that when he came to me, I came to him. And we met together in humbleness and humility. There was no slander, there was no defensiveness. And we talked about what the issue was. And then we, we became, we worked well. He, he improved my work at the church and as a person, but we also are, he's a great friend. He's a great brother, and I've known him for 15 years now. And uh, that's just, a, I think, a good example of what we're talking about in our text today. We come together as people in Christ to reconcile with one another and be in an even better relationship than we were before. And in verse 14, above all these, we put on love. So love here is the word agape, which refers to divine love, affection, goodwill, benevolence, but it's especially descriptive of two Christian people being in relation with one another. Christian to Christian. This love that's enjoyed and prompted by faith. It's the type of love we wear when we put on those clothes of Christ. It creates harmony between us. It, it binds all the virtues together and brings us into unity. This unity of moral and spiritual completeness. And we get a reminder of what this love looks like, or this description of this, in 1 Corinthians 13. Most of you have probably heard this at a wedding. It's commonly where it's used, where it's more of a romantic setting. But if we look at that, that word love and we place it in our context today, really it's love between two Christian people or many Christian people, the body of Christ. So if we read it in this way, love between Christians is patient. Love between Christians is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love between Christians does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love, love between Christian people. So as the faithful hold on to the head of the, head of the body, the head of the church, who's Christ, remember this from chapter 2, that description, we are to put on new clothes. 
new clothes in Christ as we are wrapped in the virtues and products of the Holy Spirit. And we're to display these virtues to one another as we, we live together. Forgive one another in Christ. Bond together as Christian people. But we, too, we need to be careful. If you remember back in chapter 2, Paul would give some, gave some warnings. So I wanted to give us a warning today. That even though if we put on the new clothes of Christ, we need to be aware of our human nature. We need to be aware of the old clothes still hanging in our closets. Remember anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk. The ones we should get rid of, we should throw away. They're of no benefit, but they still hang there. Because the, the practical danger result of allowing our old earthly selves to cover us should, can be on display. And here is the harm that it can cause that I mentioned earlier. Paul describes it in Galatians 5, 13 through 15. For you, the church, were called to freedom, brother, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, an opportunity to, to think and put those old clothes back on. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We shall love each other. But if you bite and devour one another, if you put those clothes back on, those old clothes, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So let us be mindful of that threat as we look in our closets today. But let's let us continue to love one another as parts of the body of Christ. Continue to follow Jesus' command in John 15, 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another, that you, members of the church of the body of Christ, you love each other, forgive one another, be reconciled to one another, as I have loved you because that's how Jesus has loved us. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for the word, your word and the truth and spirit it contains. Lord, we pray that the fruits of the spirit continue, continue to be produced in us and we pray that you give us your eyes to see and your wisdom to know how to interact with each other, even if we find ourselves in, uh, we find ourselves against one another. When we find we are in those situations, Lord, I pray that you give us your spirit of reconciliation, the ministry we have, so the church is continually built up. It's continually a place of compassion. It's continually a place of kindness, and humility, and meekness. Lord, in all our relationships together, we pray that you are the one who's glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed our First Pres Mommy podcast. Learn more about our church at our website, firstpresmommy.org. Have a great week.